listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we continue to wonder what is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. The regular season in the NBA has come to a close. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? Let me ask you a quick question, Jonas. Did you happen to see Saturday night, I think it was, that there was a fake tweet going around with Aaron Rodgers retiring? Yeah, did, from did, uh, it was uh, Adam Schefter was said to have the news, yet if you went onto his Twitter account, there was nothing mentioned of Aaron Rodgers retiring, so therefore everyone kind of figured out it was a bluff. Yeah, But there was about, what, about 45 minutes people kind of believed? Yeah, <laughs> yeah less so, than an what, hour, yeah. What was your reaction what, well, the moment that where you might have believed it for that first second. Uh, I think the bogus Twitter accounts are hilarious, and, but I'm also very aware but, of but them. But before you knew, did well, you think for a second it was real? When I saw it, I thought, okay, hold on. I, I got a rush. I got, okay, there's content for days. We're going to be talking ah. about this for a long time. And then <laughs> I went to Adam Schefter's account because I, so many people have been burned by phony accounts. Yeah. And when I saw that it was nowhere on his timeline, I, I came to the conclusion, yeah, that's not accurate. Not, so not exactly is it true wrong. or false when you saw it, you thought, oh, man, I got to quit drinking tonight. It's going to be a big show. <laughs> no, I, don't, no, I don't. I'm trying to think what time I saw it. <laughs> like, like what specific time? All right. Yeah, no, so that would have been the Vegas lead. Yes. But what we're going to do right now is the Vegas lead is going to be broadly the playing games, because let's be candid. Many of us and I was pretty neutral on it. I usually have a pretty strong opinion one way or the other, but I, I saw the merit potentially, but I also hate the cheapening of playoffs. I wonder, is this cheapening or is this better? That's what we can debate. But it seems to me, Jonas, all in all, the amount of enthusiasm for the play-ins is massive. And this weekend felt a lot more compelling because of that. So I think we start there, and I like to start with just your opinion on it. What's your take right now on the plans? I love it. Um, I was uh, just in thinking about it. The closer it got to it, because the, you know the regular season's going on. You've got the draft. You've got all this stuff. And then I realized we're just a couple of days away from, you know, in essence, a like the NCAA tournaments playing games in Dayton that used to happen back in the day. And we're going to get not only are we going to get NBA quality teams, but we're going to get really good players. Uh, and you're going to get the Lakers and the Celtics. So you're going to draw those fan bases, the two most historic franchises. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the fact that it's going for two days and the fact we're going to get a matchup and a rematch between Steph Curry and LeBron James again, I think is awesome. I think they'll be the highest rated NBA games by far all season long will come up uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
Now, you believe that's compared to the finals? Yeah, compared to of all the regular season okay, games? Okay, okay. I, I think it's been a down year as far as interest goes in the regular season. I think this is going to pique everybody's interest this time. And the question becomes, how? Do, let's say the top rated of these playing games, and let's assume Golden State and Lakers would yeah. be the top rated. Yeah. How's that going to compare against the rest of the playoffs? I mean, my gut feeling, and I'm no guru when it comes to ratings, it might be the fifth or sixth highest rated game of all the playoff games. Yeah, I totally agree. Because it is that one. It's not one and done, but it feels one and done. Yeah, and and, and the fact that it's it, it brings you back to sort of normalcy, like, oh, uh, LeBron versus Steph Curry in a big-time playoff game. I remember what that was like because we saw it so many years in a row. I think there's, there's sort of a novelty to it, even though it's not that long ago. People being able to see those guys matched up against each other, even though different rosters, LeBron on a different team this time I, that it's going to be a blast i can't wait be sure to catch live editions of straight out of vegas weekdays at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific on fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio app now gingerly let's go back in time and i won't do the imitations <laughs> <laughs> as i tend to at times but we can turn back the clock <laughs> We've had a big disagreement on the NFL going to the seven playoff teams and the, only the top seed getting in. And at the time, my thought was the distinction between two through six or even two through seven becomes a lot less. Where when you had the two buys in the NFL, I thought, okay, one and two wanted to battle each other because... They're the two most likely conference finalists. Home field means something. But two to three was a huge battle because of the bye, right? Is that bye is vital. Yeah. In a way, that one by itself becomes both of those at once, both the home field and the buys. And thus, it's a big competition, but it's narrow. The NBA seems to have come up with a way that does both. Where it opens it up to, but your rationale with the NFL was, to paraphrase from my perspective, was, hey, more teams have hope. Is that a fair way to say that was where you were? Yeah, more teams are looking at the idea of before we'd be out on the outside looking in, but now you know the seven seed it gives it's a possibility, and it was also greed for me as well too because I just wanted to live. I <laughs> wanted to live game. a week, yeah, a weekend of 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 triple header of football, a playoff football on a Saturday and a Sunday, and that's what I was most excited about. And, and I think that's fair. You are more self interested. I'm more about <laughs> the game itself, but as a purist. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't you say the NBA has somehow done both? Where there's four teams competing for those two slots in each conference. So in a way, you could say that cheapens it. But boy, oh boy, it actually makes being in the top six more valuable. So it creates a way that everyone or almost everyone feels like they're in it, which means there's less teams tanking, which means there's less teams trading off assets at the deadline. Some of the extreme teams are, but not the middle of the – like the Sacramento Kings. Maybe they thought they were in it a little bit when they wouldn't have been. But being six is so important. You got Mark Cuban crying about, oh, these games are too intense. Well, that seems like mission accomplished. And then the idea of not even knowing – and this is something I haven't heard much of. I love the way they reseed in a way if you lose that first game between yeah. seven and eight – because now if you're trying to avoid the Lakers or something, you have no idea if they're going to be 7 or 8. 
Thus, one and two isn't as inclined to maybe tank. Now, the Clippers did something to try to get out of the Lakers' side of the bracket because they assumed they'd be seven. But, boy, you're, you're rolling the dice at that point. So, it feels like it, it adds more teams engaged even weeks and months before the end of the season. It makes for an exciting weekend. But each slot was meaningful, it felt. To me, it was the home run of home runs. What, what did you think and why? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it was one of the things the NBA has done that's really, really worked. And I, I think it's going to work. And I think it's here to stay as well, too. I, I think it's going to be a success. I think these games are going to be exciting. And if they're trying to pique everybody's interest back into the product and, and, and do better numbers, this would be a way to do it. I, it also felt like, to draw an NFL comparison – Remember just the feeling Tom Brady's last year in New England when they Mm -hmm. lost that week 17 game and they lost the bye week and they realized, uh uh-oh, we're going to have to play an extra game. There was sort of a real concern that kind of washed over the whole, uh, all of the AFC, all of Patriots fans, because they realized that's a big advantage having that bye week. It felt like with this, if you weren't in that top six, you understand going into this playing tournament, we're really up against it. If, if we plan on making a run in the postseason, we're really up against it. And that's why I'm curious to see whoever comes out of this, what do they look like, especially in that first playoff game against whoever they're playing that's the one or the two seed? Do they come out flat? Are they exhausted and fatigued? Like That's the part I'm looking most forward to. Especially the team that has to win the second game. Yeah. right. Yeah. You win the first game. It's a disadvantage, but not much of a disadvantage. And then you add in the fact that the rest of the teams are getting a break. Intrinsic in this is that break, which is another advantage, but it also means better play during the playoffs, in theory. I love it. And if you are that team that has to win that second game, and Charlotte and Fezzik made some points in show prep about how Charlotte has got such a disadvantage Mackenzie, pull that up where it's a road, road. Now they're on the road a third time. And, you know, based upon how that goes, if they have to play another. I guess Charlotte is seated where exactly right now? They are nine. They're, no, they are to the 10th seed. Okay, so they've got to win two games, is yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, and this is going to be their third straight road game, this yes. upcoming game. So, if they win that one, Jonas, they're going to have a fourth game, which I guess would be on the road automatically, right? Yes, they play the winner of Wizards Celtics on so the road. So, they would play a fourth straight road game, and then if they won, they'd play a fifth straight road game to start the next series. <laughs> So you can say, oh, maybe a team with Charlotte's record shouldn't have any chance, but you're making it like the gauntlet to get into the playoffs. And I actually like the following. The distinction now we can have of saying, hey, this team's had four straight top six finishes. So, you know, or, or you know, however you want to say no play-ins to get into the you know, automatic bid into the playoffs. And then another team you could say, oh, they've made at least the play-in four straight years. So it's a different distinction. And then you got the whole making the playoffs, right? So it kind of split at six, eight, and ten, because ten gets you in the playing games. Eight means you made the playoffs. Six means you got the direct advancement. It kind of creates different hierarchies where the one through eight 
didn't do that as much, it felt like. Yeah, I kind of miss back in the day, and I think we might have talked about this before, the best of five series. Because in all the first of a round. Sudden, yeah, in the first round. Because all of a sudden, if you lost one game, that was really a daunting task. You can go back. I mean, it, it's happened. I, I can remember Toronto. When Toronto won the NBA Finals, the first game of the playoffs, they lost to Orlando. Well, because it was mm-hmm. a seven, you got to beat them four times. Nobody was really concerned about it. I like that this is a one-game winner-take-all for the most part, uh, especially in the in the 7-8 matchup. And then you've got, you know, at most a two-game scenario for one of these other guys or three-game scenario. I, I just – I think this immediacy of it, I think it ratchets, uh, ratchets up the pressure, uh, for lack of a better term. And I think these guys are going to come out fired up, and it's going to be the most intense basketball we've seen all year. It's similar to the wild-card game in baseball. Baseball goes from this sleepy type of sport. You get to the wild-card game. And it's a completely different look, a different feel. And I think we're going to have that in the play-in tournament. Yeah, I think the stakes go up. And if there's any problem with the regular season, and I think there is in the NBA, and this year especially, because of the condensed schedule, less off days, back-to-backs, etc., and all the COVID interruptions, injuries, you know, it was a hodgepodgey regular season. I think you're right about that. The stakes go up. Here's the challenge and we're talking about the pros and cons of the play-in and really how the NBA did, we think, an excellent job at engineering this because what are they trying to do? They're trying to have more teams, as you said, Jonas, believe, have real, honest possibility we could win this thing. You're saying there's a chance, but not cheapening the games because if, if everyone, you know, and, and really poker in Texas hold them, is a game that was not very popular at all until Moneymaker, No Limit especially, was not popular at all. Moneymaker won in 2003, if I recall, and from there it became very popular. Now, why is it so popular? It's because there's just the right amount of luck. We've talked about this before. Let's say I'm a better card player than Jonas. I think I could be. <laughs> Let's say you and I are going heads up, but we're playing war, old school war, and we just randomly are putting cards down out of our deck. Well, there's 100% luck, zero skill in that. So at that point, unless I'm cheating somehow, you got a 50-50 chance. Now, if we played some super advanced game that all that mattered was skill, and heads up Hold'em's an example of that with low blinds, in the long run, with low blinds especially, the better player is going to win a vast majority of the time. That has maybe too little luck in it. You wouldn't be interested. I wouldn't be interested in just a random game. But if you can find that slot, that area where it's just enough luck, where the lesser player wins sometimes, but the better player wins more times, that's when a game is popular. The NBA here feels like they've done that, where if you did well this season, you benefit. No doubt. But it's not as if it's pure skill, because a team like the Lakers in a different universe, because I'll tell you this, I've often heard and I've said maybe the NBA would be better off eliminating the whole first round and only having four teams per conference, because five through eight never do anything. Yeah, We're going to see something here, is the idea of a team from five down is going to be, and Mackenzie, I'm sure we have, I haven't seen him today, the updated odds, who's the favorite to win the West, to come out of the West, or who's the best odds to win the title out of the West? Your Los Angeles Lakers, plus 425 to win the title. Wait a minute, they're not even in the playoffs. <laughs> not yet. Right? Think about that. Yeah. A team that's got to play in the play-in, 
And if they just lose two games in a row, they're out. That's it, right? Two games are out. They're only four and a half point favorites in the first game, but they're the favorite to come out of the West. We've never seen anything like this. No, and I also wonder, and I don't even—I don't know how we would even research this, but at one at one point or another, I want to say that the Celtics and Lakers were at least top five in NBA title odds. I think Boston was was a top five team when it came to title odds, and the fact certainly that, coming in coming into the year, yeah, and the fact that both of them are sitting in the seven spot. All you know, having to play in the play-in tournament, I think you know. I just wonder how much you know they may have missed their their win totals, but I just don't recall there being two teams that many people expected to be near the top of the conference who are now having to win just to get in to face one of the top seeds in the conference. I know injuries played a factor, but I'm I'm wondering when the last. Well, time that I think happened. injuries played a huge factor with the yeah. Lakers, but I wouldn't say with the Celtics. I mean, Brown's been out for the short period of time, but they were a big disappointment before that. Yeah, there was they could not get on the same page seemingly but they have had um injuries whether it's marcus smart um jason tatum missed time with covid and apparently yeah, is still feeling true, the but i say an average amount of injuries for boston yeah right i mean compared yeah. to all the teams in the league and no comparison to the lakers yeah and here's the thing about the lakers the lakers best title wads before lebron got hurt were right around plus 250 uh that's right mckenzie that's right. okay so 100 wins you 250. Now it's 100 wins you over 400. So it's a little bit better, but not significantly better. So what does that mean? That means that the questions about the Lakers is not really about how good the Lakers are. It's about the health of the Lakers. If somehow God came down and said, guaranteed LeBron and AD will be healthy throughout the playoffs, all of a sudden, the Lakers' odds go exactly where they were at the high point. There's been no reevaluation of how good the Lakers are. The only downgrade, and it, there has been a downgrade in the Lakers, is we don't know if LeBron's going to be healthy. We don't know if AD's going to be healthy. When you're out for like six weeks, come back for two games, and you miss a bunch more games, who knows, right? Now you've got to go four, 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 and four, not to mention potentially two games to get into the playoffs. And he's got to stay healthy every game, and so does AD, or they would be big underdogs. Just one of the big two for the Lakers equals big underdogs against any of the other leading teams. So it's kind of interesting, and what we'll do tomorrow and Wednesday is go through the big questions, because there's not one team that doesn't have a question. right? If you think about the Sixers, hey, they've never done it with these guys. right? Nets is... Hey, who's going to be healthy? Are the big three going to be together? You go Lakers questions, Clippers questions, and then the teams with the best record, like Utah and Phoenix, have intrinsic questions because they're regular season type teams. I've never seen a more wide open NBA Finals. Final word on that. Yeah, it's funny on the uh, the Chiefs when the Chiefs were struggling last year and not covering point spreads, and we were talking about it on the show. The feeling was, yeah, but they're winning. Don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. They'll figure it out when they get to the playoffs. Not my feeling. And, and then, yeah, but the majority of the media was like, ah, oh, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be fine. I get the same vibe from a lot of people in the media when it comes to the Lakers. Don't worry about it. Once LeBron comes back, they'll be fine. 
I mean, I, I look when you get a guy who says I'm not going to be 100 percent for the rest of my career. I, I don't the fact that you're relying on him and you've got Anthony Davis who's got his injury issues. I just don't know how you feel comfortable about it. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler Levar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up on Game. What is Up on Game? You ask along with my fellow pro bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. So, RJ, we've been talking about the NBA's play-in tournament. We talked about the seventh seed in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers. And now we move over to the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics. Yeah, this is an amazing stat. Came from NBA.com. I tweeted it out. You can follow at RJ in Vegas. The Celtics' most used five-man lineup. So this is saying, okay, these are the five. You can say this is old tried and true. This is where we lean on when the going gets tough. The most used five-man lineup. Close game at the end of the game, that's our lineup because it's the most common. Now, the only distinction is of this lineup, it's only got to have players consisting of those who were available for the playoffs. So Brown, any lineup with Brown, that can't be the old tried and true because he's not available for the playoffs. And there were a couple guys traded. So amongst the guys eligible for the playoffs for the Celtics, the most common five-man lineup totaled 39 minutes on the court this season. 39 minutes. So imagine if they play a five-man lineup this game with about six minutes left, that lineup will be the most common lineup because it's less than one game. Worth the lineup. So these guys have not played together effectively. And you know what? There's only been four games that this lineup was used in, and they were 0-4 in those games. So even this most common lineup, they haven't won a game. I gotta tell you, Joe, I've never seen, I've never seen a team that's 72 games in and don't have players available that's even that played together for even one full game. 48 minutes. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. And if you just think about it and put this in perspective, the this show that we're doing today, we will have spent, by the time ah. the show's over, more time <laughs> together than the Celtics did with that lineup all year long. Even counting the commercials. Even if you take those out, <laughs> yeah. we still have. Yeah, yeah we I still got to beat. Unbelievable. No wonder there's such a repartee here. I mean, come on. <laughs> McKenzie's still struggling, but otherwise it's real good. <laughs> all joking about that. McKenzie's been stepping up with the NBA stuff. Now, Brown, it seems like, was the key to these lineups, that that he was on the floor when it mattered, and now he's not going to be on the floor. Fezzik adjusted Boston down one and a half points, one and a half points for Brown. What did you have? I adjusted them two points down after Brown. Yeah, I tend to move towards two myself. And again, the lack of continuity or cohesion of these lineups, I think, is, is going to be really... A, an issue with the Celtics. Another thing with the Celtics, and we've got the early line in that game, the Celtics are favored by two points over the Wizards. 
So home court's about two right now, right? So, I mean, is that saying Wizards and Celtics are even teams? Is that how you see it, McKenzie? Yeah, it's exactly how I see it. What's your gut on that, uh, Jonas? Yeah, especially with the injury to Brown. Um, you know, the way Russell Westbrook's been playing in a, in a one-game scenario, that's a dangerous proposition. I know Bradley Beal's been a little bit banged up, but he's been having a, a, a really good year. I this this could be problematic for the Celtics here. They could be yeah, a Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Bill Simmons, who, you know, he has his detractors because anytime someone's very popular and they go a different direction in style, you're going to get detractors. But I have found Simmons' love of the NBA to be insightful. That, that he just he wrote a book of basketball. The guy loves the NBA and he loves the Celtics. So if he's talking on the Celtics, I listen. He said this team wants to get. He said this team wants to give up. Yeah. They don't have any great desire to win this game and then have to then play a seven game series against the Nets in theory, yeah. right? So to me, that's interesting. Right, and I'm not saying I know that for sure, but what what I know is Simmons got an opinion on that. I think it's noteworthy. Celtics might be looking to pack it in, and the Wizards have played exceptionally well later this season. I mean, if you think about it, and we had a long talk about Russ and the triple doubles, but <laughs> I mean, if you just look, and you can arbitrarily say post All Star break, post whatever. Washington's played better. I mean, yeah. in the last six weeks, I'd say for sure. Is that how you see it, Jonas? Yeah, no, they've improved a lot because everyone looked at him because the conversation earlier in the season was you got to trade Bradley Beal. He's on a bad team. Yeah. Why waste him on this great team, on this awful team? And then you find him in a play in tournament against a team who's banged up themselves with an opportunity to get into the one through six matchups. I, I think it's been a pretty incredible turnaround for them. 